0: Hey, it's Corey. Before we get started, I just want to tell you about this event we're going to be holding next Friday. It's a live episode of The Watershed, and it's going to be a really special one. I'll be interviewing Leah Lem, the audio producer who conducted the interviews you've heard in this series about what water means to her. You can watch our interview live on Facebook next Friday. Just search for our Facebook page at We WeAreWaterMN, or click the link in the episode notes. Okay, here's the show. Mankato draws most of its water from wells underground. These wells aren't that deep, just 60 feet or so, and they're directly connected to surface water, in this case, the Minnesota and Blue Earth rivers. If they need purer water, the city also has deeper wells connected to the Mount Simon Aquifer. The Minnesota and Blue Earth rivers are becoming more and more polluted with nitrogen, which makes drinking water unsafe. If the level of nitrogen in Mankato's shallow wells gets too high, the city dilutes it with purer water from the deeper wells connected to Mount Simon. I'm Corey Suzuki. From Mankato, this is The Watershed, a special series from We Are Water, Minnesota. Over the next six weeks, we'll be exploring stories from across the city stories about water and people.
1: My name is Drew Campbell, and I've spent uh, all of my adult life basically in Mankato, Minnesota. What do you do from the moment your eyes wake up in the morning until later on in your day? Let's just say even the first hour or two hours. First, I stretch a little bit and bed and my toes working and everything. I'm now 63 years old and I just want to, I've been doing this for a while. And then a lot of times I'll either drink a glass of water, one of my first things I do, or I use the toilet. And uh, I'm very thankful that we have an indoor plumbing system and... No matter what I what it is I do, it's immediately involving something to do with liquid and water, and depending upon it. And then, of course, uh, I splash some water into my face to get my eyes to wake up in the morning, because my eyes don't want to wake up. So, some fresh water on my face. And, and so, imagine if you had dirty water to do that with. We have a multi-million-dollar water filtration system here in Mankato. And so we have this clean, fresh water, which comes from some shallow and some deep wells mixed in with river water from the Minnesota River. And we don't think about that, you know. And then I go to make coffee for my wife <laughs> and myself sometimes. We drink two different kinds. I have to, because of my uh, many years of being in a fight-and-flight situation at Security Hospital, I found I can't drink as much caffeine. It, my adrenal glands are... Kind of worn out, and so I have to drink about 80% decaf and 20% caffeine. I've got it down to that science, and and so making coffee with fresh water, and and having delicious coffee or tea, sometimes even tea. I also feed two little tanks of guppies that I have. My wife Dawn and I were married 16 years, and at our wedding, on each table, we had little bowls of water to celebrate life and purification. And had a little floating flower uh, candle in there with about six guppies in each, in each bowl. And these are descendants of all those guppies and that's 16 years ago. I haven't purchased one guppy. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep them going in two tanks and uh, they're due for a clean because of the algae growth is getting overbearing in there. I just noticed there's a whole new group of babies and so that's my routine in the morning. Um, fresh water for the two cats we have. Yesterday we had a plumber here who put in a new faucet in our kitchen. It was that bill immediately produced over four hundred dollars uh, of cost. <laughs> so I had to have good access to water. So I'm just saying, when you look at personal-centered planning for yourself, it identifies immediately how important water is in your own personal life. <music> I was raised first, born in Austin, Minnesota, but then my father died when I was very young. And my mom took us five kids, two of them are basically almost out of the house, to uh, Lake and Hennepin Avenue, which is up in in Minneapolis. And I didn't realize what a rich rich upbringing I had there. I mean, uh, we were three blocks from Lake Calhoun, which has a new name. And so even though we were in the heart of the city, I found myself around the edges of the lake and Lake of the Isles, Cedar Lake, and believe it or not, a little teeny lake called Brownie Lake, which is, they're all connected. And my mother, Astrid, who was an immigrant from Sweden, just seemed to have an overabundance of uh, appreciation for nature. And they moved here in about 1921, maybe, and she was about eight or nine years old. So she remembers telling me the story of voyaging across the ocean. It took about two or three weeks to get here. And that experience on a young, young girl like that, too. You know, she, she tells a lot of ex- experiences about her uh, childhood in Sweden. And my mother would uh, write notes uh, to give permission for us to rent canoes from the pavilion there at the lake. And we're right in the heart of the city. And I would canoe from one lake to the next, bringing my friends from the neighborhood. And uh, we had early, early experiences as children without very much adult supervision. And uh, I can remember even climbing up inside uh, from the lake into about a five-foot-tall sewer line that went up into the street system of Minneapolis. (laughs) And... uh, got in a little bit of trouble over that, police were notified, and uh, my brother and I were arrested, or I guess we were not arrested, but we were taken into custody, because we were probably fourth and sixth grade or something, and <laughs> brought back home and it explained to us how dangerous it could be to be lost up into that system inside Minneapolis. <laughs> so, <laughs> became an elected official for Blue Earth County and served for nine plus years as a county commissioner. And I was immediately assigned to the Minnesota River Board, which had been in place through the uh, legislative action and was on their executive team for five to six years. I learned so much about the views of water and with how, how it relates through agriculture. I mean, a farmer knows how important water is, whether it's a positive impact or a negative impact. And, and the thing is, because they're so driven, produce, to survive, to make enough money for the land that they own or farm, because we get these surges of rains and things, and if, if a crop sits there for more than 24 to 36 hours, you might lose that whole section that's underwater. And so you need to drain the water off. But the result of that is uh, water reaching our streams and rivers quicker than they normally would have. The, you know, Instead of it taking a week to drain out and go into the rivers, it might take a day or two. Causing more uh, heavy erosion along the banks. We've got uh, river bank erosion which causes silt production and the silt production. We've got 370 miles of river, not just streams, but river labeled rivers in this county, North County. There's only one or two other counties in the state that can say that. And ours have soft soils, clay-like soils. And so those sediments get washed all the way down up towards the cities, because it goes north. And I mean, you learn all these things after years of being on committees and boards relating to water and what human behavior has done and is doing. I was just at Lake Washington and it's all green and I just, I see people swimming in it. I just don't think I could swim in it even. Um, because it's completely surrounded by cabins, beautiful homes, small, small cabins. And I know they all want to have nice yards. So part of the problem is, you know, they want to have fertilizer on their grass and the herbicide. And um, it impacts the lake. There's no doubt about it. And uh, the surrounding ag community, that drainage goes into the lake. And then when you think about that, look at, look at what happens when the rivers get more impaired or the lakes do. And they generally, we take our water from blending that with some well water. If the waters become more impaired underground, the filtration costs double, triple, quadruple. For a family, it could be thousands and thousands of dollars if they're living rurally. If it's for a, a city, it's millions of dollars. Most of the cities in southern Minnesota can't afford to upgrade their systems. So the, the impact financially to, to not take care of our water is much higher than just on face value. If We want to have fresh clean water for drinking and cleaning and bathing and all kinds of things, creating food. It's, it just behooves that we would take care of what we've got and at least not let it get any worse than it is. If we can maintain without it getting worse. my children are ages 30 to about 38. And I met many of their friends, and many in my community right here. I was working on a project. We wanted to do a celebration in Mankato, but it's just—it's just so hard to put it together. It was called the Spirit of Water Celebration. We wanted to involve all of the faith communities, all of the um, science communities, social. We've got—we got all these rivers, so we have people that love to uh, canoe down our rivers, you know, and kayak. Um, and it just—it's hard to do that. It's hard to put something like that—that that big— together to have a big celebration on the riverbanks, you know, over here. But I've met so many people who are passionate about at least trying to maintain what we've got, you know. And and so I really believe our uh, our younger generations uh, do get it; they do understand. So that's why I'm hopeful. I just want to read a short poem when we're done of my mother's because she, her later, later in life, she started writing down her experiences and just a short poem. Here's Lake Superior Memories. With waves undulating on slippery algaed rocks, the warming sun caresses on bronzed cheeks, the wind blows welcome kisses. Throwing and skipping rocks, my boys whittle driftwood boats, to sail the foamy sea, amoebic squeals of laughter bubble as boats dip and capsize. In their uncertain journey, another chapter in my life of nostalgic joy and sorrow, a never ending repetition, agates rolling, seagulls screech, parting memories we leave for home. Ostrid Campbell Van
0: The Watershed is produced by me, Cor Suzuki. Special thanks to Leah Lam, who conducted this interview and the rest of the interviews you'll hear in this series. Our executive producers are Britt Gangness and Jennifer Tonko, and our music is by the Blue Dot Sessions. The Watershed is a production of We Are Water Minnesota, a traveling exhibit about water and people. We Are Water is a partnership of the Minnesota Humanities Center, the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, the Minnesota Historical Society, and the Minnesota Departments of Health, Agriculture, and Natural Resources. This project is made possible by the Clean Water Land and Legacy Amendment and the McKnight Foundation. And you can visit us today at the Blue Earth County Historical Society in Mankato. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another story.